Uh, so we did it again. We watched a bunch of movies and we made a really long podcast about them and we're going to chop them up into two parts. Uh, this particular series is about the Star Trek film franchise. Enjoy. Welcome to the XYZ podcast, the podcast where we talk about entertainment and the creative process. I'm Eco. I'm the Y. I'm Zach. I'm the Z. And, and today's our, X Factor is uh, a bunch of Star Trek, like lots and lots of Star Trek. More Star bunch. Trek than you should than you than is uh, normal. <laughs> Specifically, I believe we we agreed upon the original when we were originally planning this. At least we said the two, four, and six of the original series. Yeah, yeah. But I know, like, you and I both ended up watching more than that. Yeah, uh, uh, barely for me. I only I only ended up watching Generations Extra. Uh, uh, yeah, I had uh, a lot to say about Generations after I said that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that, man. Um, I'd say uh, we can talk about three and five. I just don't remember that much from them. I didn't end up rewatching them. I might now, but, like, um, I just, yeah, I... I don't have anything. The main reason I watched those is because if I was going to watch four and six, I mean, I've only I've only seen one once. Yeah. Uh, and that was with you. Uh, I've only seen two like a few times. I feel like I don't have the same connection to it. Some people do. And then I've never seen any of the rest. So, it, you know, I especially having watched them now, I think I would be a little lost having not seen at least three. Uh, right. Probably skip five. But I'm glad I watched it. You I watched I, five? Okay, yeah. I think I, like, even the ones that I have a lot of negative things to say about, I think I had fun watching all of them. Right, okay, got uh, it. Yeah. Uh, I think some of them are bad, but I think I still like <laughs> them. Yeah, I get uh, what you mean, yeah. So let's yeah. start from the top then. Let's go go over one. So we watched that together. You rewatched it. Um, uh, my, I'll just, my, my first impression watching it a long time ago was that this feels like an episode except like twice as long. And therefore with the pacing that they had back in the day, it was just excruciatingly long to watch. Yeah. I feel like it's really a movie that doesn't get going for about an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in it. That's like kind of cool. And I don't always mind the slow stuff. Like, especially if you're in the right frame of mind and you're just like, Oh wow. Cool. Miniatures. Uh, look, it's a spaceship and there's a soundtrack. Um, that's cool. But like, I don't know. Uh, I, I found it good. I, I like one, I think a lot, actually. I, okay. I like the idea of one. I think once you watch two in comparison, it really feels like two is what the motion picture should have been. It's like yeah. two is the best version of like what the first Star Trek movie should be. And yeah. this one kind of just feels like, yeah, we, we like the idea of Star Trek, but we didn't really have many great ideas for it. And we were just like, yeah, what, what if we just find reasons for all the characters to come back? I, I don't know. I think the final twist in the end, like like what the reveal is, I kind of, I really dig that. Yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty, I, I dig that too, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and I like when they're like walking on, uh, what are they calling it, Vigor? 
Oh yeah, Viger, Viger, Viger. Yeah, uh, like I love the design of all of that. It looks really great, and like the guy who directed this one yeah. uh, is this guy Robert Wise, mm-hmm. who's like a really famous director who like work has worked in has made like major movies in almost every genre. Like he directed West Side Story and The Sound of Music. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I randomly right before I watched this one, I've been going through this random like old western run of movies and i watched this movie from like 1940 something that was considered like one of the first western noirs which like blends western and film noir and he directed that and he also directed this movie called the haunting which is like a quintessential haunted house movie uh so he's just like done every kind of movie it feels like well that's cool Uh, man that's something i didn't know i mean that's yeah i guess that's the you know, that's one of the things you add to this is like you care about the directors and like who they are and like what their history is. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, I just I think it's wild that like later in his career, he just made this like giant franchise sci fi movie. Yeah. And there are a lot of like cool things. And like, I think the script's probably the biggest issue because there's just not much going on Uh I don't know. It's it's a weirdly paced movie. It's a really badly paced movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That's um. That's that's a big thing in some of these. So we'll we'll get on that later. There's a, there's one random thing I want to bring up about this. Do you know about like the the random theory, the Borg theory? I I don't think it's true because I think um Enterprise the um the TV series uh had had other things to say about it. But you know, do you know the random Borg theory? No, is the the theory that like the planet Viger went to was the Borg planet. No, I think it's that the 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 V'ger probe become and like once they absorb the two humans, they become the Borg. I think. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like I said, um, in uh, Star Trek Enterprise, there's a there's a there's an episode explicitly covering the Borg, which is pre this because Enterprise the series is pre original series and the timeline. So, this so is a dumb question because I stopped right before this movie. Yeah. Uh, and did not watch First Contact. But of my knowledge of what's in First Contact, doesn't that also kind of... Because uh, that has like the Borg Queen or something. No, I, you know what? I'm not going to ask this. I don't know enough about First Contact to be asking all right. what I'm asking. Yeah, 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 it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, worried yeah. you might like it might veer into... Because I'll watch it soon. I'm yeah, going yeah. to watch it soon. I yeah, just had so, to stop watching Star Trek movies for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no accidental spoilers or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but um, yeah, no. Enter- Enterprise. I mean, look, it like s- small. Not really a spoiler. It happens in the first like couple minutes of the movie. I mean, the the timeline is pre Enterprise as well. So it's like before everything. Um, there's a random original series episode that like covers, um. The, the personality that's there and it's very different, but you know, it's interesting that it's there. I watched this after seeing first contact. Um, it's Wait, I've, there, the there's, ori- a, there's an, the Borg there's, show up in the original series. No, no, there's an episode with, um, Zephram Cochran. Who's that? You'll, when you watch first contact, you'll, <laughs> you'll definitely know who that is. <laughs> all right. All right. That's cool. Uh-huh. He's he's important to the plot. He's important to the plot. So you, 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 there's no way you'll avoid like not knowing who he is. Um, but yeah, he should. He like he he was first introduced in the original series, and it was just like he's stranded down the middle of nowhere for no reason. I think I I don't remember exactly the plot because like a lot of those original episodes I don't remember very much. Oh, speaking of which, did you end up going back to watch? You watched Space Seed, I guess. 
I, I went and I watched Space Seed. I also watched City on the Edge of Forever. Yes. Yeah. The, the yeah. one that you recommended. Yeah. Uh, Thoughts? Uh, yeah. I've seen Space Seed before because the first time I watched Wrath of Khan, I wanted to watch that. Yeah. And I did it again. Uh, and I, I think it's kind of fun to like watch that and then watch Wrath of Khan. I think it's, it's better. I think if you're going to like watch the Star Trek movies, what's better than doing going from the motion picture to Wrath of Khan is just instead just watching space seed yeah <laughs> no no don't skip the motion picture i like the motion picture what am i saying it's cool it looks like a psychedelic album cover uh <laughs> yeah but uh, put it but like you don't have to give your full attention to it is the thing no i i need to be honest with you i watched some of these odd numbered star treks while i was at work yeah uh <laughs> hashtag work from home life hashtag uh, yeah uh yeah and it was very easy to mostly concentrate on my work for the first hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'll say yep so yeah. yeah what did you think of um space seed and city on the edge of forever um i think okay so space seed i'll start with space seed yeah i like space seed it's good uh it's cool uh it's an interesting idea uh, Ricardo Montalban is great. I think he's better in Wrath of Khan. I think everything about Space Seed is kind of made 10 times better because of the existence of Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like on its own, it's it's like an okay episode of, uh, you know, Star Trek. Uh, but like uh, in, in hindsight with the existence of Wrath of Khan, it is... It is a much better episode, I think. Uh, I don't know. There's there's some stuff that I find really interesting, especially like when they start having conversations about how, uh, like Spock calls out all of the humans for for re- revering all of these like historical dictators, <clears throat> um, and, and they all start like talking about like yeah, you know, like it's a it, it is a weird thing where we are, you know, we as a culture we revere this power that these people had in the past. But at the same time, we know they were monsters, but we're kind of separated enough that we don't think about it. And then they have to like meet one of those historical monsters, essentially, within yeah. the Star Trek universe. Uh, and and the, the one lady uh, instantly has a crush on him because space ladies and space horniness. Uh, Ricardo <laughs> Maltaban is space horniness in general. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's 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 interesting, and I like he makes like a really good foil for the entire Enterprise crew. Man, you make me want to go back and watch it because, like, you know, the thing is, is that I mean, this rewatch has shown me generally that like I pick up better on details and the- thematic connections on things. So like all that stuff you just mentioned, I was like, man, I did not pick up on that when I watched it at the time, but like now I should because like, yeah. I mean, I think in part we're having like a bit of a national conversation about like some, you know, yeah. some of the people we revere in like American history and like maybe some of their flaws. But I think maybe that was a little bit on the forefront of my brain. While, yeah. But but they legitimately are addressing that in the 60s when they made this show. Uh, and I think like that episode does, I mean, I'm not, I don't have really any desire to go through and watch every single the original uh, episode of the original series. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, the episodes I've seen do feel fairly fresh for a show in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, uh, like surprisingly. So in many cases, you can obviously tell that they've aged, but uh, with the idea of this is a show in the sixties, like, Oh yeah, it does feel fresh and new. And I felt that way watching city on the edge of forever. That's the name of it, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. 
Yeah. Uh, I mentioned to my dad that I was watching all these movies. Mm. Uh, and I mentioned on this podcast that he's a big Star Trek fan. And he was immediately like, oh, there's an episode where they all go to the 30s. Uh, and you should watch that. And I was like, yes. you already told me to. I've already watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's like it's the best original series episode, basically. It's like on most lists, it's considered the best one. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's a beautifully told story, you know? I, I, yeah, I like everything when they're back in time. Some of the stuff where it's like, oh, this is how they get back in time feels a little sweaty. Oh, uh, I mean, it's yes. Just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. oh, they're on a random planet and there's a weird voice that's also a, a, a slideshow. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that that stuff is all like yeah yeah no i get that it's it's like this is the 60s you have to use your imagination the yeah. effects suck and yeah yeah and and the um the science fiction i mean the science wasn't as good back then so the science fiction wasn't either there wasn't as much like stuff you could kind of make up to justify time travel you know yeah uh but so once all- they're there once they're there in the past and just watching them have to deal with it uh and then watching everybody act like they're crazy yeah uh, is great. Uh, though I watched that, I think, after The Voyage Home. Yep. Which I think, I mean, we'll get to The Voyage Home, but I think there, there's a similar thing of like, oh, we're in the past and we kind of have to hide the fact that we're from the future and one of us is an alien. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So that, there's definitely that parallel. Just, uh, just the theme is really, it's a lot darker, I would say. Yeah. In the yeah. Um, City of Edge of Forever is like a really dark episode. Um, but in the best way possible. It's just like, Wow, this uh, this hits home, you know. It it like gives you the feels. That ending, the choice he has to make. Yeah. Mm. Oof. Poor guy. Kirk's lived a life, you know. Yeah, he's uh, he's seen some shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that lady was really charming. Yeah. Uh, I see why he fell in love with her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, um. I don't know. And I kind of liked them all just hanging out in the, like the soup kitchen and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a know. nice it's window good. into that too. Cause I don't think there's a lot of stuff that like, I, I haven't seen a lot of media that directly covers the, the depression, you know? So. Well, and it was also interesting, like watching the depression being covered in the sixties. Yeah. Um, uh, Cause you know, it was only 30 years later, like all those actors grew up around then. Yeah. Uh, people involved, like they actually have serious ties to that time. Like it wasn't that, like that's like, you know, a story from today about people time traveling to 1990, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which I mean, to be fair, I mean, well, it's not time travel, but you know, uh, Captain Marvel is like a period piece in the 90s. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's wild to think about, like whenever you're watching a show like that, of just like, oh that to them is equivalent to that. Like, especially because it's a show that takes place in a far flung future. So it is still supposed to be like a big time travel uh, for them. And it, so in a weird way, it does feel like the distant past as it does to us. And yet it's being told from a perspective where it's not really the distant past. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Something about that episode somewhat reminded me of a twilight zone episode. Uh, I don't, uh, because you know Twilight Zone came out around a similar time, um, sorry, I just got a weird text uh okay, <laughs> um that was clearly not for me um, 
there's a Twilight Zone episode where a guy he he like lives in the 60s, so it would be contemporary. Yeah, and he time travels all the way back to the early 1900s. Uh, and it's like interesting just watching. I don't know. I think time travel stories are interesting when they're from places where they're in media where you would time travel to now and it would feel like the distant past. Right. Um, yeah. uh, like I'm watching the umbrella Academy right now and they time traveled to the sixties and that feels so far and distant, but these shows were in the sixties. Uh, the cool thing about that, uh, twilight zone episode was that when they went back to that time period, they started it, the format of the show became like a silent movie. Like okay. it was shot in that time period. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, really recommend it. I'll see if I can figure out the name. Cool, Anyways, cool. Yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah that, so that's how little, I feel about those two episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's good to check cover that because, yeah, it's part of the watch and, like, you know, those are classic episodes. Um, yeah, so, I'd never seen that one before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so let's get on to two then, Wrath of Khan. Um, that's definitely my favorite of the original series movies for sure. Um, what were, so you've seen it with, with us and then, um, with it, it was, it was the Eric, Derek and you and me watch yeah. party. And then, uh, yeah, you've seen it again. So yeah. Well, what are your thoughts? And I watched it before that watch party. It was the only Star Trek movie I'd seen before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I always forget how good it is. I, mm-hmm. I always, I think I'm not a big original series guy. Uh, and I always, like, I think I've sometimes watched that a little less present uh, and thought, oh, it's a little boring. But now I read a review right before I watched it where somebody framed it as a submarine story. Okay. Uh, like a good submarine movie. Yeah. And uh, that really kind of changed my focus. And like, I started looking at it in sort of a, a naval revenge story uh, right. format. And it really works uh, in that. Like, it's just fucking good storytelling. It's everything that, like, a good... We're taking these characters you love from 15 to 20 years ago, and we're bringing them back now to the modern era to make a big movie. Uh, and they've all aged a little bit, and now this is the big fucking blockbuster movie that we're making out of them. And it's such a good... It's such a good movie. It's yeah, so yeah. good. It's uh, so... Like, there's so many things that are good about it. And, like, uh, just to, to address the the submarine thing, that's like... um. I didn't realize this either, but that's a whole, like, that that attitude is something that, like, shows up in one of the episodes. I think it's called Balance of Terror, which is the first episode where the Romulans show up, really. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, they're cloaked, so, but at the same time, when they're cloaked, their sensors are kind of bad. So, like, nobody can really tell where the other person is. So, and, I mean, of course, pot, pot, part of it's probably budgets, so they just show interior shots of the ships only. So they're just kind of, like, looking up and, like, the typical submarine things, like, where is he? What is he going to do? So there's a little bit of there's that's definitely part of like the series or oh yeah and obviously for Wrath of Khan that's kind of the climactic battles like where are they you know it's like yeah it's the nebula part is like yeah and like you could a lot of that story you could put it on as like uh Kirk Kirk is now an admiral in some great naval power uh and long ago when he was a captain he marooned this uh he marooned a rival uh on some island. And now, you know, technology has changed over that time. Uh, and now, like, Ricardo Montalban is is playing that 
whole character like he's horny for revenge. He's yeah. basically Captain Ahab looking for Moby Dick and Kirk is his Moby Dick. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, they, they, they make it explicit, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's just, I don't know. It's good. It's good fucking action serial storytelling. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, love, um, uh, just at the beginning, I remember like one of the scenes. I mean, it's like a, it's like one of those squicky scenes, but it's in, in, in the best way. Is when um is when Khan implants those um those mind controlled mm. bugs into into Chekhov and the other guy. I feel that when oh. they put those bugs in the brain, there's something about that that's like a visceral reaction oh, of just dude. like I don't want those bugs in my head. Uh, oh my! Especially God, yeah. when you watch the other guy, like is what is it? his head bursts essentially when that thing kills him. Oh, I guess it's, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, but I yeah, I just remember like. And when they put them in, it's like, you know, the music, the the shooting, the the shots, the editing, and the acting all together is just like, ooh, this is so good. This is so yeah. squick, but it's like, oh, it's so good, too. The whole, uh, like, first reveal of Khan and all his people is just so good. Because first they're just, uh, they're all out in that sandstorm. Yeah, they're uh, checking shit out. Yeah. Chekhov is slowly realizing where he is. Yeah. Um and who who they found and then they all walk outside in that sandstorm and they're all just like dressed in post-apocalyptic gear uh surrounding them yeah uh also something cool that's like while when Chekhov realizes some of the debris is for the botany bay uh which was the ship from the original space seat episode yeah uh there's also a copy of milton's paradise lost on his uh bookshelf which is the book they quote at the very end of uh space seed uh, it's a fun little, fun little, fun little callback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they do a lot of literature on this too. I think Tale of Two Cities, obviously. Oh, Moby yeah. Dick. Um, yeah, Paradise Lost. And so the, Star yeah, Trek's and obviously, really into that. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it, it makes and also like you know, it's a direct parallel to like oh, I mean, not not the not the not the story necessarily of Paradise Lost, but the title is like when he stranded Khan. It was like a nice planet, right? It was a really yeah, nice yeah. planet. So now it's a shithole because like random shit happened that you couldn't control. So it's a paradise that was lost. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's just, I don't know. There's even like small scenes in the beginning, like when bones goes, you know, in the beginning when it's, it's Kirk's birthday, he's aging a little bit and, and he, you go back to his home on earth uh, and, and bones goes with him and you just see like all these relics, like all these like souvenirs that he has essentially collected over the years. And he's clearly grappling with the fact that he's just like a teacher now. Um, when when he is a guy who's got this captain mindset, he's very much a, a swashbuckling kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's dealing with the fact that he's aged, and then suddenly this this specter from his past is back uh, of like this guy who he kind of just thoughtlessly marooned on a on a planet. I don't know. It's it's a good movie, and they like set it. They just set it up so well. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I, mean, I have trouble talking about it because everything is just oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. Everything about it is so good. I mean, then um, I mean the the part that like cemented it for me as like the best uh, original series Trek movie was like uh, I mean I guess this is spoilers, but I mean you know this is spoilers coming in for everything anyways, but. Like uh, the speech that give that Kirk gives for for um, for Spock's eulogy is like peak Shatner. Like it's the best. Like 
I, I don't, I would not doubt if that was the best that he's ever acted. <laughs> Just like that, that, um, for me, it was like a smallest detail. And this is before I did improv or anything. And I, and before I really had any appreciation for like little details of this type of little detail. And this still stood out to me was the way, like when he says, um, of all the souls I've met in my voyages, paraphrasing at this point, um, his was the most, he pauses and he like, moves his mouth a little bit trying to chew the word out and he chokes it out like human and i'm like dude that was like i was like dude that is acting that is fucking acting (laughs) he he gets a lot of shit as like a hammy actor uh shatner and i think it works really well in this movie yeah i think like this is this is the movie that plays the best with how like it, it utilizes Shatner just so well, and it just like lets him be his ham. And the main thing that makes him so good as a ham in this movie is that Ricardo Montalban is five times that. Oh yeah, it, <laughs> oh yeah, he chews that scenery like he chews that shit up. Oh my god, <laughs> it's just it's just like like that is the point of the movie. It's just the two of them just like. Um, just being being big hams i think i think the the best villains in these movies are always you know if you're gonna have a villain oh, you need yeah. somebody who is at least at least as hammy as shatner if not more oh yeah yeah uh, we'll get to chang too but i mean like um for for uh for khan you know obviously like the you know th- this is the scene that everybody like memes right the con the con con um, but like the, what the the way Ricardo Montalban acts into it is like awesome too. It's like I've hurt you, and I wish to go on hurting you. And I'm like, oh my god, it's, it's so good, marooned. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what's just so good in that moment is just when, uh, when he's marooned, and then like ten minutes later, Shatner's like, okay, wait, has it been long enough? Uh, <laughs> we, we've actually we figured this out we we won uh which yeah. reminds me there's like a specific moment where david marcus his son yep. uh says something uh, some says something to kirk uh where he's just like yeah we, we can't just sit here when they've realized they're marooned uh for all eternity and kirk yeah. just puts on a pair of glasses uh and he just fakes looking at a watch and he just said, because, you know, they're stranded for eternity, as far as they know. And he just says, oh, yes, we can. And then literally in the next shot, the glasses have disappeared. Like it was just Shatner on set was like, I've got an idea for a really funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that, actually. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch it. It's like right after they got marooned. Uh, yeah. And he puts on a pair of glasses and then they're just gone. Uh, there, there's no explanation. Like he clearly just had a pair of glasses to put on as a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I can very much imagine that like, maybe that was literally just William Shatner being like, guys, guys, what if we put a joke right here? I'm good at, I don't know. I, I have <laughs> in watching these movies. I've, you know, you know, William Shatner's a little famous for his ego. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I think it became clear just watching these movies that he's a very, he's a, he's a man who's sort of bought his own, he's bought what he is selling, uh, (laughs) uh, for good or for ill. 
Um, I think sometimes, like when he's a total ham sandwich in this movie, uh, it's for good. Yeah, it uh, works, man. Yeah, <laughs> it works. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There, uh, he reminded me of something too in this one, which was like, oh man, I, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting now. It's all right. It's all right. Um, uh, I felt like it was good, but whatever. I don't. I don't remember anymore what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh uh, the bill. So yeah, like Wrath of Khan, great movie. Highly recommend. <laughs> uh, themes, theme wise. Oh, actually, no, I remember now. So it's um, there's a theme here, and I think it runs throughout the movies, which is it really interesting because it's like um, there's a theme of like being hippies, but also like they 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 also put the like the counterpoint, like the anti-military theme, which um David really like expresses. It. And then there's like kind of like the counterpoint, which is like, you know, not all militaries are the same. I mean, Starfleet is the nice guy are the good guys type of thing. Yeah. And and that's a really interesting point that comes from like maybe I think that comes a lot from like Gene Roddenberry's background. I think he was he served in World War Two, I believe. Um, and he, that's why that's what he named. That's why he named it the Enterprise He's like he's I remember reading an interview. He's like, um, yeah, that was um, that was the name we all knew from when like we really took it to the Japanese in whatever battle it was. I don't remember exactly, and so that was a very proud name for for the uh, for us Americans at the time. And but um, you also, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, well, I'm just yeah. Well, it's also like it is in the '60s, and clearly he's also he he's engaged with at least the hippie culture and and you know this peace culture, and I think he's he he believes in it because that's kind of what he shows in a lot of Star Trek. Um, at the same time, he's like, well, don't forget that we actually did something good too. I, I do think there is a lot in these movies that is a little bit, um, because these are movies that came out, you know, a couple decades after the original series where they are a little bit about aging and also reckoning with like the next generation, not just Star Trek, the next generation, but right. the actual next generation. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, like, especially like in the undiscovered country where like, uh, some of these, like the Romulans and the uh, the Klingons, are like, well, Starfleet is, you know, an imperial military force in their eyes. It's like it yeah. is an enemy. It is a still a bad thing. And, and like you even see that a little bit with David Marcus, where he's kind of a generation further, and yeah. he doesn't really see, um, you know, the benefit of the he he or he, he he's much more skeptical of the military and the militarization in his current time is like you know that's uh i think he like he lives less in a wartime sort of thing and, and yeah. has a different mindset about it but also sorry just on the hippie front this is somewhat disconnected and i forgot to mention it in in talking about the first movie yeah. but when bones first walks on the enterprise in uh the motion picture and he just has first of all he's got a full beard He's got like a weird necklace and he's clearly like he looks kind of like a disco guy, but he also <laughs> looks like he got really into LSD at some point in the late 60s, <laughs> early 70s. <laughs> it's just really great. He looks like, he had a, I, I feel like DeForest Kelly might have become like a bit of a rich hippie. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, let's wrap up about two. Is there anything else you want to say about uh, Wrath of Khan? I mean, we love the movie. Uh, clearly um well i think uh like i like i was saying a lot about how a lot of these movies are a little bit about facing the next generation yep. and how star trek uh star trek 
just in a meta sense even fits in that like this they all come post star wars obviously yeah uh which is obviously the big thing everybody back then like it's the go-to space movie um this is kind of an alternative to that and i think marcus sort of represents the the new uh sci-fi fan a little bit and he he says something to kirk a little bit like that he says i was wrong about you and i'm sorry uh and a lot of it is about kirk finding his own youth in star trek finding its ability to still be relevant within the 80s and for people who are older to still be relevant even when the new generation is discovering new things yeah uh yeah, and actually to piggyback off of that, there's an interesting thing. I know like well, some of the reviews I've read about Wrath of Khan mentioned that like a big theme is youth and rebirth and obviously the Genesis planet um, being a part of that. And then also like there was – there's some th- – the couple things are mixed in together here, which is like um, Spock dying is like what is like what gives – it's like a – is what gives Kirk youth somehow in some way. It's like um, – He's like letting – go of an earthly attachment as much as it sucks to just say that Spock is just an earthly attachment. Right. Well, uh, it, there's just like thematically, it's kind of like a Phoenix type of thing. And, and also like, I mean, th- there's an ironic meta point here, which is, I remember that at the reading that at the time, this was supposed to be the last movie and that's why Spock dies. Right. Cause they were just like, well, this that- is, makes a lot of sense <laughs> there's not going to be another movie so like what the fuck just kill him off right and and the ironic thing is it's a movie about rebirth it's probably because it was so good it probably rebirthed the franchise in terms of the motion pictures for sure i mean i bet anybody who had just seen the first one and then they're going to wrath of Khan, they're like you know this probably will be fine we don't really need another one of these and then wrath of Khan was really rather should have just been the first star trek movie i think like it would be yeah. The only thing that would make it more perfect, and I, I say this as somebody who really likes the motion picture, uh, is if it was like, it would be better if it was the first time we were seeing all these characters for the first time, like since. Yeah. Uh, uh, since the 60s. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's move on to three real quick. I don't have any notes for that because I haven't rewatched it. I mean, I'll say uh, what yeah, I, I don't. I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. It's an action. It's an action movie. I think it's like Klingons are looking for the Genesis device, and there's yeah. like a lot. And uh, like what I remember about it, Klingons. Uh, I mean, spoilers. David dies, in, and uh, I think uh, Spock is regrowing on the planet, and he gets horny and has to. He has to have sex because otherwise he dies. So, oh, is he, that what's going on? Yeah, so which he, is he, like weird. Okay, that's that. Yeah, like um, you you don't. I don't think you. You might or might not have gotten this through the other series, but in um in the original series, and I think they reference it later on, is that like Spock, the Vulcans have to mate on a seven year cycle basically, and if they okay. don't, they actually die. I think is what what happens. Oh, I thought he was just like getting his Vulcan period. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. So it like in Search for Spock, there is a thing where because he was born on the his new body was born on the Genesis planet, he's He's growing at an accelerated rate with the Genesis planet. I don't know. I kind of felt like the search for Spock, I, I didn't dislike it, but it was just sort of, it felt like it only existed as an extended epilogue to put things in place so that they could keep the franchise going. Right. Uh, and to like also, yeah, it just kind of felt like an extended uh, episode of Star Trek. 
which I think is going to be my biggest complaint with like any of the movies I dislike where just my biggest, my, my biggest complaint is just like, yeah, it feels more like an episode than a movie. Yeah. Uh, um, I liked, I mean, I said this earlier with Ricardo Maltabon is like, I like when they cast a really hammy villain to play against William Shatner. Mm-hmm. I think Christopher Lloyd as like a crazy Klingon is, is, is a decent job at that. It's not okay. Ricardo Montalban, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's not Khan, but like he's, I think he's, I like Christopher Lloyd a lot, so I think he's fun. Cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need I need to go back and watch that. I just, yeah, I don't remember. Like I said, those are the things I remember. Is like Genesis Spock regrows. He needs to have sex, otherwise he dies. Klingons. David dies. That's a, like that's that's my summary in my head about the movie. Yeah, they end up on the bird of prey at the end. Um, yeah, the the apparently the big. So I was watching a lot of these movies on IMDb TV, yeah. uh, which is you can watch movies for free, but there's ads. Uh, yeah. but the ads aren't that bad. Uh, but the cool thing about it is you can also like hover over and see trivia. Yeah, and one of the trivia bits <laughs> was just um, they were basically required to blow up the Enterprise in this movie. Uh, <laughs> Because they needed to like update it, I think, for the next movie, or they needed a reason for the Enterprise to blow up. Okay. Uh, another thing is that Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy's requirement for doing this movie was that he had to direct it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. Okay. I, don't, I feel like I don't have much to say about it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't either. <laughs> All right. So, Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, or was, I think it's The Voyage Home, not The Journey Home. Voyage home. Voyage home. Yeah, yeah. Um, whales. <laughs> Let's talk about them whales. 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 I, I've so I went into this. This is search for Spock was new to me. This was also new to me. Yeah. Everything from now forward is is new to me. Um, all I knew about this was that they traveled back to the eighties and there were whales. Because <laughs> I've just always heard people go, oh, yeah, that's the Star Trek movie with the whales. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there must be whales for like a small part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just all about whales. It's, it's all about whales. Okay. To back up a little bit, though, like the thing, um, the big theme that I realized after watching it and writing my notes is that this movie is like a masterclass in visual comedy. Yeah. Um, so once again, on the IMDb trivia, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I was constantly looking at, uh, um, the last three Star Trek movies were very dark. And a, this one was going to be directed by Leonard Nimoy again, mm-hmm. who is also has like, he also directed Three Men and a Baby, which is a comedy movie made around this time. Okay. That was a big hit. He has like a bit of a comedy mindset and his like, his thought process was like, let's make a nice light movie now. Let's just like not make another dark one. We've given them enough darkness, <laughs> uh, which you know what, especially like literally search for Spock, they kill off Captain Kirk's son. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, good choice. I think to, to go with the lighter. Yeah. It's like a good comedy movie. It's fun. It's really fun, man. Uh, now, so th- the interesting thing about that is, I mean, so to talk about the visual gags, there's just like so many good visual gags. Like, like every, like every two scenes is a visual gag. The scene where Spock is swimming in yes. the tank yes. and the whale lady is just like still giving her spiel, like her yeah. backs to it. And Kirk is just looking. Yeah. He's just like, wait, wait, what? Don't, don't get out of there. Yeah. 
can't bring him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like it's just all through the movie. It's like every every. Oh my god! It's like you know, it starts with like um. I mean, plot wise, actually, just one thing is that like. I didn't realize how how long they spent like dealing with the previous movie. They spent like thir- twenty minutes or thirty minutes dealing with what happened in the previous movie before they got to the plot yeah. point of like, oh, we're gonna say we got to go back in time and get whales. Yeah, the beginning is just them being like, all right, let's remember this is the status quo right now. Uh, we don't have an enterprise. We do have a bird of prey. We need to figure out if Spock is Spock still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, they do spend a lot of time just being like, yeah, does, let's just remind you where we are. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's something I genuinely did not remember from, like, my previous watch of that. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so once they finish that, they have the whole jank, like, <laughs> let's slingshot well, around the to, sun. <laughs> they do have to, like, leave behind What's-Her-Face from Wrath of Khan. Oh, that's sadly. another part of the business. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that they just didn't keep Savick as like their new movie friend. Yeah. Uh, she's like the, the new member of the cast just for the movies. Uh, I was kind of bummed. They kind of let her go, but yeah, they, they slingshot around the sun, <laughs> which is like, okay, that's okay. I guess so. Like <laughs> old sci-fi. Well, first they slingshot around the sun because on their way back to earth, where they're going for a military tribunal because yeah. they're war criminals. <laughs> right. Uh, um, uh, there's a probe, and I think the plot of every Star Trek movie starts with a ship encountering a probe and being destroyed by a probe. Uh, <laughs> um, but but there's this probe that's going closer and closer to Earth, and it's destroying Earth somehow, and they decode it, and they realize, oh, no, it's singing whale songs. Yep. But all the whales are dead. Yeah. And so they have to go back to the present for whales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had to get some humpbacks. Uh, <laughs> so yeah they they slingshot around and then they had to land in san francisco uh, because they detect some from the aquarium basically um and and as soon as they land it's visual gag after visual gag right it's like it's as soon as as soon as they land it's just like we're just having fun now this yeah is, it's, it's we're so just gonna charm the pants off of you it's yeah. all your favorites are back and now they're they're weird space future people who have to live with what the 80s is yeah and i mean it starts space, with just like the 60s idea of space future people right not just like the modern day idea so they're a little outdated even though they're futuristic right yeah, yeah. uh so, i love like the first thing that happens is just like it's essentially like kirk does like a i'm walking here with a cab that tries to run him over yeah basically, uh, yeah, yeah yeah well i mean to, even before that it's like the the visual gag of like the 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 bird of prey cloak bird of prey mm. landing and the garbage the, people the are like, yeah, they're like, what? I didn't see nothing. They just book it. Cause you know, they, they have the whole, like the stereotypical, like the ramp comes down and light comes out and then like aliens come down type of um, visual there. So they have that. And it's like, that's a nice visual gag. <laughs> and, and just the, um, I mean the, the landing claws too, like the landing feet, uh, landing gear, whatever the hell um, that the, the way it imprints oh, it on, on the ground. Yeah, the grass. It, like crushes the trash can or something to yeah, yeah. It's landing. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice little visual thing too. And then it looks uh, really cool. And then just after that, the the hits keep on coming, man. You know, so yeah, obviously like Kirk, um, like he's get, he's they walk in the middle of traffic and they're you know 
they get honked at, get yelled at. It's like, oh, fuck you, too. And then, um, and they, they all immediately like call him out for cursing, and he just goes, "Yeah, well, that's the parlance of the times, or something like that." Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's the pawn off the glasses that Bones gave him. Um, it's like hundred dollars. I can give you hundred dollars. Like, it's like, is that a lot of money? He's like, eh. that may have been my favorite scene in the movie because right after, first of all, they don't understand how much money is. Like, yeah, they, they first start. They're going through like ten minutes of the movie of just being like, "Yeah, we don't." What is they still use money? What are these primitive people? <laughs> yeah. And then and then the scene where he like at right after he sells the glasses at the pawn shop and he just is handing out all the money to everybody on the enterprise very much feels like they're all kids on a field trip and he's their chaperone just being like, Okay, now don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll need to save some for lunch later. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, once they split up too, it's like everybody, you know, what was it? Uh, uh, when when uh, um, with the, there's the there's the Scotty Sulu and yeah, so with? I believe Sulu kind of goes off by himself wearing his yeah. cool new cape. Yep. Uh, side note, Sulu is wearing a cape in this movie, and it looks fresh as hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I believe Bones and Scotty go off on their own. Okay, yeah, but they they were there. They were together for a little while, and they were just like, "Where do we get like together the... for a little while?" And then Sulu's like, "I'm gonna go talk to the helicopter pilot." Yeah, but uh, like in in that first initial bit, they're like, "How do we find like this material, like this plexiglass, mm-hmm. right?" And they're just like, they 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 come into basically like a Chinese lady yelling at somebody else, probably I don't, I don't know, just yelling at somebody, and then she closes the door, and they're like, "Oh, it's a huge yellow pages like mural or whatever," and. It, and I was like, oh, yeah, visual gag. <laughs> yep, yep. And then uh, the Kirk one was like, you know, Spock is just like reading the map and trying to deduce, deduce with logic where the whales are. And then oh, just like yes. the bus just rolls by is like, Cetacean Institute, whales. <laughs> and Spock is just like, huh, how do you know that? <laughs> uh, uh. I think my favorite is when Chekhov and Uhura go off on their own. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the eighties. It's just, uh, a, a Russian guy, uh, it, it, at the height of the cold war, uh, and a black lady, you know, she's not going to be as, uh, accepted by everybody as, uh, uh, but, not to the extent as like a Russian guy right? Uh, yeah. in, in the height of the cold war, specifically just going around asking a police officer like, Hey, do you know where the nuclear vessels are? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they just start asking everybody and the police officer is looking at them and he's just going, what the fuck are these guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. And then when they, when they find the Naval yard, I love the part where Chekhov is like, captain, we found the vessels. And you know what? It is the Enterprise. And he's so happy that's the Enterprise. I'm like. <laughs> I mean, not the first time that there's a boat called the Enterprise in these movies, skipping yep. ahead to generations. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. The holodeck boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Spock and Kirk go on a bus uh, where. Kirk yells at a guy with a boombox. Yep. Everyone claps. 
uh, <laughs> when he yells at the guy and makes him turn his music off. Yeah. Because I well, guess only future people can do that. Well, Spock, Spock nerve pinches the guy. <sighs> Fuck, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> that is, yes. And then everyone cheers. It's even yes. funnier. <laughs> but also the best part is that's the scene where Kirk has to explain to Spock why he's cursing. Right. And it's because it's in all the great literature of the time. And then he makes a couple references to authors who I'm assuming were very timely references in the eighties. I think I recognized one of them, but I, I didn't recognize, I didn't really recognize that. I, it could have been, it could have been a joke where it's like the stuff yeah. that's actually popular. It doesn't survive. And he just like, I couldn't has, tell. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Because Spock says something along the lines of, ah, the Giants. And you can't tell if he's just being Spock and just, like, talking flatly or if he's being really sarcastic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they get to the Institute. And they actually um, – so this is where we get introduced to the basically the female lead of this, uh, which is Jillian, which they only mention her name, like, twice. And I was like, by the middle of the movie, I was like, what was her name? And I, I was felt just bad. calling her Whale Lady. The yeah. entire time, I just started calling her Whale Lady. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she gives the tour, and it's actually, and and this is like, now that I rewatched it, I was like, wow, they actually, it's they're pretty graphic about like whalers. It's a horrifying tour. Yeah, there's like a video clip there where they're just showing all the the whaling videos. And it, it, this movie is not subtle about. Um, oh no, it's not <laughs> the, the Save the Whales movement. Uh, um, like, like about how awful human beings are, uh, towards, you know, uh, the environment we live in, uh, and they very much show the wholesale slaughter of whales on a video screen that is very, it's a lot. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty graphic, man. I'm like, oh, the kids kids are watching this right now. Great. <laughs> apparently the woman, the actress who played that character, Jillian, mm-hmm. uh, Learned a lot about whales during the production of this and became, uh, um, she decided to join the Save the Whales movement, like in real life, and like really uh, made that a bit of a, you know, her pet issue sort of wow. thing. Her, 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 yeah, like good for her. Good for um, her yeah. I, humpback whales, I believe, are still alive and a lot of whaling is outlawed in most countries. So I think, yep. you know, I think, think things are going okay. Yeah. Probably not totally because reality. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but it was like surprising how in this fun Star Trek movie suddenly we're watching. It was the bloodiest thing I've ever seen in a Star Trek. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was like pretty graphic. I was like, wow, and it's funny that I never really like saw that before. Like I never really noticed that it was very graphic before, and this time I was like, oh wow, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was ooh, it really stuck out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the rest of the movie. I mean, a lot. Is there like, I don't have that much to say about it. Let me. See. I got my notes up here. Um, it's just fun, and I think like uh, another highlight was like Chekhov being interrogated. That was a fun, a fun little scene. That yeah, was a good little scene. I I also just wrote. I I really liked just. Everything with Kirk, Spock, and the Jillian, the whale lady, yeah. was um, a lot of fun, especially because she was just so confused by them and thus fascinated by them. Yeah. Uh, because they're two guys from the future who obviously don't know what's going on. And, he, and 
Spock is constantly calling him Admiral. Right. And yeah. she's just so curious as to their relationship. And he's like wearing a headband to hide his ears. Yeah. Uh, and he's basically walking around in a robe. Um, and at one point, um, like, like she keeps asking Kirk what his deal is. And Kirk is just like, yeah, I think he did a little too much LDS is what LDS. Yeah. <laughs> she just goes LDS. And it just, I kind of love that. Number one, of course, Kirk is hundreds of years in the future and doesn't know what LSD is. Uh, um, uh, and also, the it's so easy to buy Spock in that era as just a guy who had a really fun time in the 70s. Oh, yeah, dude. It's so e- – like, it, it's part of the reason I feel like it works in San Francisco in terms of, like, the way yeah. they're just mismatched dressed. It's just, like, that might just have been something you would have seen, like, in that time. Like, he's clearly a guy who – you know, did too many drugs and is now an alien man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I really loved the scene where Bones and in uh, Scotty go to the plexiglass place. Oh yeah. And, and they just kind of con uh, the plexiglass guy, being like, "Yeah, we're from corporate, and this guy is really good at technology." Um, and then at first he's like trying to use the computer as if it's voice activated. Yes. Yes. That's uh, so funny. And the, the plexiglass guy who works at the plexiglass factory is just like, it's, you have to use the keyboard. Of course, that's how you use computers. Yeah. <laughs> and then so to first, this day. Scotty is like very much like, he's very much doesn't know his QWERTY and he's just like, boom, 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 boom with his fingers. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly he's going faster than anyone has ever gone on a computer. Yeah. Uh, breaking like, clearly discovering uh, chemical things that people didn't know in, in the eighties. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was a fun, that was a fun scene. Uh, and it's, it's also funny in the context of overall Star Trek is like, well, they, they clearly didn't give a shit about the temple crime directive at that point. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was not they, a thing yet. They, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point Bones even calls him out on that. Um, and, and Scotty's just like, oh, well, you know what? Like, maybe he was the guy who discovered that. So, right. how do you know? Um, how do you know? <laughs> which is a fun f- call forward yeah. to Star Trek 2009, where, um, where. Oh, yeah, uh, where Spock gives him his formula of like, yeah, trans- Spock gives Scotty the. The teleporting formula, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually, I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have thought about that. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Also, um, just everything when he goes out on for dinner with yeah. Jillian, I think is just. I was having a lot of fun during that scene. Yeah. Where because that's when he finally tells her. Uh, she says, "Don't tell me you're from outer space," and he says, "No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in." Right. Yeah. Um, and then she's just like, "Yeah, well, I was close. I knew outer space was going to come into this." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at one point, like when they have to pay the bill, she's like, "Don't tell me they don't use money in the 25th century." And he looks at her and he goes, "Well, we don't." <laughs> <laughs> um, I really think this is a fun movie. I know. I don't know. I know. I, I feel like we're talking about this more than Wrath of Khan. And I think Wrath of Khan is better, but I think there's just so much fun in Voyage Home. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. It's like different things to talk about, right? Like, like Wrath of Khan is a very good, like action centric movie and it's plot driven. And so it's like, we could just talk about, we could repeat the plot, but then it's not like 
it's not that interesting in that sense. It's just like we talked about some acting moments and themes in, in yeah. this in, in four. It's like there's so many things that happen that are like little comedy moments that are like they're fun that we have to talk about that. The, it's it's like you could gloss over them, but they're just so much fun that you don't want to. Yeah, it's so it's, it's kind of just ends up being like, yeah, like more of like a character driven, like, you know, we like we know you guys like these movies. We we have these characters. This is the fourth movie. We're just gonna find a weird sci-fi reason to just put them in an interesting situation and we're just gonna have fun with it yeah uh, and uh, i mean another small visual gag was like sulu in the helicopter where he's like he activates the windshield wiper he's like wait what the <laughs> fuck happened? like <laughs> so it's like okay yeah it's so funny um and just to get the rest of my my notes is like you know when they once they actually um once Jillian actually agrees and they fly off and start trying to save the whales, it's like, oh, of course they have to put the whales in immediate danger because movies, right? Yeah. And, and plot. They, they literally are immediately found by whalers as soon yeah. as they're put out in the open sea. Yep. Um, because apparently whalers are just everywhere all at once. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, oh, there's also the scene where they go to the hospital, which I oh, think is yes. kind of fun. Yeah. And Bones is just like losing his mind because he's like, this, these, what are these, the Dark Ages? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like, dialysis, my God, man. I, I love, he, he gives that that old lady who's in dialysis like a magic pill. Yeah. And then at the end of the hospital scene, yes. you see her being wheeled out of the hospital totally fine. And she's like, I'm great. I'm so happy. Yeah. She's like, and everybody's like, she regrew her kidney. And I'm like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah so um, let's see and then um oh the one weird thing is like um they spend a lot of time when they get back to the future where they like where with the whales just like singing and i was like i don't know if, like in a modern movie you'd probably be half the time if not like a, a quarter of the time it was it was a tune out point at that point you kind of tune yeah. out but I was kind of, i thought it was kind of nice to get to see the whales there even though if it was a little bit along of them just like all hanging out in the ocean with the whales. Uh, yeah. Like the whole crew was just in the water. Oh, that part was fun. Uh, that part was actually a lot of fun. Like you could just tell they were just having fun at that point. Just yeah. like getting into the water. Um, the, the part that was long was just like the communications between the probe and the whales was like, Oh they, yeah. They spent a lot of time like just panning between them. And it's like, you don't know what's going on. They're just like singing random notes and you're like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is cool. At that point, they've kind of accomplished all the business of the movie. It's weird that they also never really establish like why whales are important to that probe. Right? Uh, yeah. They just know, we just know that whales are important to that probe. Yeah. Uh, um, like 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 I don't know. What, what, was it just like an alien race that came to Earth in primordial times when just like it was just whales? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It was. They never or really whale, established that. Or whale space aliens. Like, I don't... Uh, right. They don't, like, they don't really... I I remember from the first time I watched it, I just assumed that the, the whales were the aliens, so that they were, like, they were the same species or something like that. But they didn't... They actually, watching it again, they never really established anything. Yeah. Um, there was something... You were mentioning that, like, the, the whale singing went on too long. And I just realized I wrote a note about that that was based off the IMDP tri trivia I was yeah. reading. Where so the whales kind of go vertical when they're singing, uh -huh. and that's apparently like true to life. Oh wow! And in the movie, the probe does the same thing; it like mimics them. 
Yeah. And it also goes, even though it's space, so vertical and horizontal are really right. They're really very matter. relative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like in a visual sense, it's still showing off that it's doing the same thing that whales have to do when they when that humpback whales do when they sing. So oh, cool. I, I thought that was. But like also, those whales are going to be really lonely and in in the future and, and pretty like inbred. Oh uh, yeah, very inbred. Like yeah. <laughs> when you have a population of two, you can't. Uh, like it's that's not enough to sustain a future. They generally consider that extinct. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you think think you got to send a few more Starfleet vessels to the past to steal past humpback whales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, one other, uh, let's see another, the last note I have is, is like between Kirk and Jillian, they actually do have a lot of chemistry, but it's like, they actually kind of avoid the romance. It's just like he, the, at the very end, she kisses him on the cheek and is like, see you later. Like I'll they find you. They end up having a nice little friend, uh, like friend chemistry is what they have. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's they, it's never made explicit whether it's it leans one way or the other. It's just interesting that like I mean for for somebody who in 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 the series his trope is like is just like he just bangs everybody, but yeah. like in this one he's just like oh I guess okay see you later. I feel like I kind of assumed they were gonna bang for most of the movie just because <laughs> like that is that's Captain Kirk that is Kirk, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, he is a uh, he is a man who has sex with everybody, and everybody wants to have sex with him, um, no matter how old he is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gets really clear in the next couple of movies. <laughs> really, really weird. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I like I like the voyage home a lot. I feel like of the because like what I hear a lot is that the even-numbered Star Treks are the the good ones. Yeah. And I think I may, of the even-numbered ones, this may be the one that I think is least good, but also the one that I would rewatch the soonest. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's like, weak in a way, but it's, like, it's, yeah, it's the weakest of the even ones. It's still really good. It's just very different. I, I think it's great. I, I, I think movie, by, yeah. by saying it's like less good than the other two, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice uh, by it, by framing it in a negative right, way it, like that. It's it's like it's it's the most outside of what conventional Star Trek is. That's basically the the only criticism I would have of it. And yeah, yeah okay, the pacing is a little weird because of how long they spent with the the previous movie stuff and the and the the whale singing at the very end. So the pacing is. Like I wish I would have more gotten more of them in in the past doing like weird funny past things, but at the same time, like it's just that air, that section of it is so much fun that you just forgive the rest of it. You know. I also think those are all things that help make this good because it, they help make it unique amongst the Star Trek movies. Yeah, it makes it feel like the first three when you think about them as a piece are pretty dark and they 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 are a little bit more typical like oh space adventure and this one kind of feels really refreshing after watching the first three yeah it like puts them in a different environment um it's got a different attitude to, towards it um yeah i just i found it i found it so lovable yeah it's uh, uh yeah it's really charming uh like i i was surprised because I, I i just knew that it was good and that it was about whales when i when i went into it originally and then like i was like oh wow this is really really fun <laughs> Yeah, 
Um, like I always, because everybody said the whale thing, is I wasn't sure if they were making fun of it a little bit or not. Uh, right. I don't think they were. I don't no. think they were. It's just I think part everyone's of the movie. Charmed by it. Everyone yeah. likes it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we we touch on five, which I did again. I didn't rewatch. Yeah. Star Trek Five, the uh, the final frontier, right? Yeah. This might be the one that I think is like really the bad one. <laughs> yeah, if there's a if if I have to like, say th- this or generations for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so th- this one I don't I, again I don't remember that much about it. I I started I remember I I'm in a shit posting group for Star Trek, which um if you want I can invite you. Um it's an, it's an interesting place. Um some people talking about, you know, uh debating about 5 and mentioning, you know, it's like some of the problems with it are just like that um, they, they got their budget cut, for example, so the effects aren't really good. Um, yeah. so that was, that was an issue there. I, I just thought the plot wasn't that great. Um, I, so I'm remembering it's like about, they journey to the center of the universe to find God because Cybok, I believe, is, um, telling them to, and I forget exactly mm-hmm. what, what the, the other justifications were for it. Yeah, it's really, so first of all, when I say it's bad, there are things I like in it. Yeah. Uh, especially like I think the first half of it, I'm like a little bit into it. Yeah. Uh, uh, some background on it. Uh, the last two movies were directed by Leonard Nimoy, the actor who plays Spock, of course. Yep. This one was directed by William Shatner. Yep. Uh, and I think, like, I've been talking a little bit about how he is, like, I... in watching these, I am realizing he is very much an egotistical man, and I think it's <clears throat> never been more apparent than in this movie. <laughs> uh, with him directing himself, uh, and being maybe the 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 number one creative voice in it, um, but they're like ideas that I think are a little interesting. Like obviously, like I mean, it's called the Final Frontier, um, and like the first alien set piece is that sort of no man's land planet, and that no man's land planet has a really western feel towards it especially also there in Yellowstone Park in the beginning, and that feels a little bit westerny. Mm. And so in, like, in a way, it feels like, at first it feels like it might be doing a space western thing. And then they start going to look for Space God, and then it totally eschews that. <laughs> um, uh, but like, like, I like the aesthetics of that planet. Like It has a little bit of a Mad Max meets uh, Mose Eisley feel to it from yeah. Star Wars. I remember um, that, yeah. Um, and then there's a, also a weird scene where... Uh, Uhura, how do I say her name? Uhura. 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 She dances naked with leaves. It's really weird. Yeah, as that a distraction. Was weird. Yeah. Um, but like, also, everyone looks really old in this movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which That's I know is like not a fair complaint, but they just do. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spock is in like, uh, he has these rocket boots. And whenever he's wearing those rocket boots, first of all, it just looks so cheap. And he looks so old in them. Like, he really looks like, uh, I don't know. It just, like, kind of makes him look a little paunchy. Instead of looking cool, what I'm saying is it looks, it, it doesn't look cool. It just right. looks, it, you're looking at it and you're like, that's like, that's, that's like, you know, a stereotypical dad or grandpa just, like, found a cool new toy and he's playing with it. Um, I don't know. Uh, also. Spock having a brother, like the whole sequence where he's like, "Oh yes, I have a brother. Uh, his name is Cybok, and he—I uh, never told him about 
I've never told you guys about him. He's my half brother on my dad's side. Um, feels just re- very randomly like just like oh yeah we we're making a fifth movie and frankly we just never expected to get this far. So now we're just <laughs> pulling in random th- like have have you seen the trailer for Fast and Furious Nine? No. So I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies except for the first one. Yeah. Uh, also, slight spoiler if you're avoiding the trailer for uh, Final or for Fast, Fast and, and Furious Nine. Yeah. But the, apparently, the major plot point of that movie, as revealed in the trailer, is that all along Vin Diesel has had a brother who is just like in every way his equal, and it's played by John Cena. Uh, and, it, and it very much like felt like the whole thing of like. Spock being Spock just really flatly going, yeah, I have a brother. I never told you guys. Uh, he's a, a, a space religious fanatic. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot that. I didn't, re- I forgot that he was his brother. Actually. I didn't, that's a plot point. I forgot completely. I think it's wholly unnecessary calling him his brother. I think, yeah. I, I think it, it just feels cheesy when they do that. Um, a lot of this movie just feels cheesy. I had, I didn't really write a lot about it. Uh, it really lost me once they finally met Space God. Yes. That, uh, I was like, once that happened, I was like, I, up to that point, I was like, this is not great, but I'm like with you guys at least. Yeah. And exactly. then once they find him, I'm like, what? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, uh, George Takei is not in most of this movie. He's like the one member of the original crew who's kind of off doing his own thing. Apparently, he really didn't want to be directed by George, uh, by William Shatner and like <laughs> had problems being in this movie. And I think that was the one thing where they were like, okay, we'll let you be a captain of your own ship. And uh, you don't, you can, you only have to talk to these people during uh, like over video screens, uh, which makes sense. I think like that's a good direction for his character. Yeah. Uh, but it also means that he's just not in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. This one, like, it, it also just... All these movies... I'm a big fan of The Next Generation. I like The Next Generation a lot more, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think what watching this one in particular made me realize as to why I prefer Next Gen to the original series is the original series feels a little bit like it's all about Captain Kirk uh, yeah. to me. And The Next Generation, <laughs> like, First of all, I think Picard is cooler than Kirk, but that's a whole nother story. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it also feels like that's in part because I think there's a that's more of an ensemble piece, and it's less about Picard all the time. Like I, obviously, say, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'd say the original series is made. It's like the way they structured it. I feel like uh, this is something I've read, and I, I feel it's true. Is like they structured it really mainly around the the, the big three, which is Kirk, yeah. McCoy. And and Spock, and even then, it's still more focused on Kirk a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. I it was always every time during these movies, I was like, I just want a little bit more Bones, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I really like Bones. I think I think of the the original crew. He's he's the one that I like. <laughs> I just like cranky space doctors. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anything more about the Final Frontier? Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's move let's on. Talk about a good movie. Well, that concludes the first part. Tune in next time for our discussion of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Generations. See you then.